first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. <laughs> Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherlode. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. So first of all, I just want to say a big fat thank you to everyone who helped out or participated in the Pigeon Classic this year. It was a huge success. Over $2,000 raised and donated to the Florence Nightingale Foundation. Uh, Just mind blown. It was one of the more in-depth and difficult projects that I have ever been a part of, just in terms of how fucking long it took. It was a whole month long, and it was a lot of sleepless nights, especially for myself and Gel Mosan and many other members of In The Keep, but God, was it rewarding, and seriously, thank you to each and every one of you. But, uh, hey, let's uh, talk about this week's episode. So I'll start off by saying, like, have you ever uh, hated a job? Have you ever hated a boss? Have you ever had a boss that just really pushed you to the edge? You know, like that that It's 5 O'Clock Somewhere song with Alan Jackson and Jimmy Buffett, right? Where it's, pour me something tall and strong, make it a hurricane before I go insane level shit. And he just wanted to get out of that grind and get out of that ridiculous cycle of being told what to do and pushed around and having the carrot dangled in front of your face. Because General Vivi did, and he stuck a middle finger up to that boss, and, uh, well, I'll let him tell that story, but such an incredible one, man. Uh, For those of you out there uh, who don't already know about Proteus, imagine a rock supergroup, right? Imagine, like, all your favorite musicians in one band. You've seen this numerous times, but Proteus is such an amazing collaboration between you know, General Vivi and Mike Voller and Andrew Holschult and James Paddock and Dragonfly and Michael Markey and, 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 and it's just fucking incredible. I uh, don't know how to describe it in any other way than to say that this is the Doom game that I have always dreamed of playing. I've always wanted it, and it's just never come to fruition. I mean, we're we're talking about a team here whose resume is, you know, Singularity, Bioshock Infinite, Payday, Wolfenstein, Call of Duty Black Ops, Call of Duty Black Ops 2, Doom, 2016, Dusk, Viscera Fest, Nightmare Reaper, Eternity. The list goes on and on and on, but now I have it in my hands. 
and it's virtually perfect. It covers all the bases of what would make, you know, take take Jesus at Doom and just imagine it being so refined and gorgeous and customizable, a never-ending loop of convenience for mappers to just expand on the game forever into all eternity. And this conversation with Jason Mojica, General Vivi, is so beautiful because he's such a generous person. He's such an altruistic person. And there are moments when I start trying to say, like, you know, what about, like, how this is going to affect your business and all this kind of shit? And he could give a fuck about that. All he cares about is just making level design and game design and mapping accessible to future generations. And that is what this game accomplishes aside from just being an incredible game on its own with an amazing soundtrack already created by Andrew Holschult, soon to be a cool MIDI track with that MIDI guy himself, James Paddock, beautiful level design, obviously by the guys working on it initially and also Dragonfly of Eternity to show up. You just can't get any more perfect in the world of boomer shooters than what Proteus is attempting to be. And for that, I applaud them. So I'm going to play some music here from the Proteus soundtrack. Enjoy it. And when it's done playing, you will be in the keep with Jason Mojica. My name is Jace Mojica. I'm one of the lead developers of Proteus. And yeah, that's me right now in this current <laughs> time period, I guess. <laughs> that was pretty solid. Like, I asked yeah, a that's lot of people exactly to how that. you want to walk up on somebody. And that's like, you know, that's what you would say at a bar. And then the person would just immediately be like, okay, yikes. And then walk away. <laughs> <laughs>
I really love starting. I, I got that tip from uh, Dump Truck. I think you've been on his show before, and mm-hmm, he, yeah. he always starts it with like a. So who are you, and how did you get to the point you're at now in your life? And it's like this really deep introspective question, and so every person answers it completely differently, and they always like, yeah. fade into it. I love that. Man, did you hear? Yeah. Uh, was it uh, Wrath? Like they did an episode about Wrath, and mm-hmm. that was just the most incredible. It was like a thirty minute monologue before they ever started talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> That that stuff is so good. I mean, I enjoy listening to that. But um, the funny thing is, like, forever ago, like, forever ago, my buddy Mike and I, right, we run the game, right? Um, Mike does the programming. I do the design stuff, level design. Um, and back in the day when we were working at Raven, um, I was just randomly just reminiscing about how I wanted like the reason why i wanted to get in the games industry right and we were all drunk like on the way home from the bars or something we had like five people in the car and i was like yeah you know i just remember getting a super nes and being like wow this is what i want to do when i'm older and mike's sitting in the back seat and he goes nobody asked (laughs) it's just like the perfect sort of like encapsulation of like our relationship (laughs) it was uh it was uh it was fantastic so it's like it's like one of those things you know where sometimes it's better to just like you know you kind of keep it in and if somebody wants to know that's great but overall it's like when i think about how kind of cringy it, it can get you know when you talk about where you've come from and like how you've gotten to where you are just the sequence of events that take place and everything like that, it can get it can get pretty wild and like it starts to feel like a roller coaster of just ramblings at some point, you know. So I could see why like it would take somebody thirty minutes. <laughs> it was just he had such an epic journey, like getting into games. Like he he like literally went on some kind of like crazy soul searching sabbatical, like quit his job, <laughs> all that stuff, and then finally you know gets hired to you know produce wrath with a with 3d realms and all that kind of shit so that was just a i thought it was probably the best piece of audio i heard whenever it was posted probably last year or something and i liked i mean i liked your episode too but you didn't do a 30 minute monologue so you don't get (laughs) but yeah yeah i think the funny thing about the start of my journey like really goes back to just counter-strike honestly i'll Mm -hmm. I'll dive into it just for a second Mm -hmm. um you know and like Back in the day, I was, it was like high school or something, and I really wanted to get a PC so I could start playing games like Counter-Strike and, and things like that. And my parents were Macintosh people. Luckily, Dark Forces came out for Mac when I was kid when I was a kid, so that was great. But the you know, you get started wanting to save up money, go to the movie theater, get a job, build a PC, and over the course of like two years, you know, start working on games in your spare time and there's a local land cafe nearby the high school so like i was making levels for them and it was just really fun and i remember the um like the sort of like butterfly effects that took place for me to end up where i'm at in my career and stuff are pretty interesting and they're always ones that i sort of kind of created myself where um there was like a week where I was in the back of the popcorn area. I had to like make 
had to clean the machine. Okay. And that's such a grueling. If you've ever worked at a movie theater um, and you have to clean the popcorn machine, like thoroughly clean it, it's probably one of the worst things. It takes it takes about an hour, maybe two hours, and you're in there and you're scrubbing because the the butter and the grease has gotten everywhere, and um, and it's still really hot, so you're probably burning your hands, and um, it's just really tough. And one night, I guess you know, me being a teenager at the time, I swept a little bit of popcorn under the machine so that I wouldn't have to clean it up, <laughs> and um, I guess the boss at the time. I think he still works there. I'm not really sure, but he's he's a real dick, and um, and I, it's like really late at night. It's been a hard day, and he he comes in there and he just immediately goes under the machine and says, "You gotta you gotta clock back in, come in here and, and clean this up." And and this guy's been like a dick to me the whole day, right? And I say, I say to myself, you know what? Like something just clicked, and I said, "This is not this is not worth it. Like I would be better off at home." working on my portfolio for, you know, a gaming career or something. And yeah, I just took off my shirt, put it on the machine and I walked out. And as I'm walking out, it was like the most cinematic thing, right? I don't know if I mentioned this on dumb trucks uh, podcast, but it was like the most cinematic thing where I'm walking away in slow motion and all my like friends at work, they're like, Jason, no, you know, (laughs) they're like, you got to come back. (laughs) And like, um, the boss is there and he's like, you better clock back in and she's like the slow middle finger as the fadeaway. Right. (laughs) And this is like the, the piece of resistance where I get my mom's minivan that I drove that day (laughs) and I peeled a donut and left. It was so fucking sick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and i'll always remember that because like it was like that moment it was like that moment in breaking bad where he like like gets that score for the first time and he's in the car and he's just like fuck yes you know uh, like it felt really good and literally just like coincidentally gearbox was uh was running this forum called Mapcore, which we're doing a contest for proteus right now but the uh the forum called Mapcore used to be run by a bunch of people from gearbox software and I had posted some stuff on there, and they actually reached out and asked me to to apply for an internship. And that was, like, literally the week that I quit my job. Um, so when I went in to get my final paycheck, you know, from the manager's office. Oh, you, know, you had guy, to go back to get the paycheck. In there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally did, too. It was, like, 100 bucks or something, uh, which was a lot for me back then. Yeah. And, um, you know, I walked into the, the the back manager's office, right, and he's sitting there, like, like, you, you know, you're fucking disgrace and blah, blah, blah. And, like, all my friends are like, oh, man, how's it going? I'm like, dudes, I'm going to go into the industry. I'm getting a job. Like, this is going to be the sickest thing ever. And I'm showing them my portfolio, and everybody's really excited. <laughs> and this guy, he's over here like, you'll never amount to anything, you fucking loser, and blah, blah, blah. And he's just so upset. And I just thought that was always so funny. I always think about that moment because it was such a – it was such a good one. Like coming back, like literally a week later, and being like, "Yeah, I'm going to the industry," it was just such a random start to the whole process. And it and it started because of like several butterfly effects that took place. And I just enjoyed that. <laughs> and that's like one of my favorite. Like that's how I got started, basically. You know, just the grind, and then having that job to help me get a PC, and and then the inevitable like demise of the whole thing was just such a fantastic poignant start to my to my journey it's one of my favorites yeah 
I really hate the whole idea of, you know, a leader or a boss or whatever, you know, trying to hold the employment over someone's head. Like that is not how you motivate people, right? You, if you want to be a good leader, you have to make them, you know, love you essentially. You know, you want them to respect you and want to do it not for the money, not because you're an authority figure, but because they want to make you happy because they like you. That's the best sure. way. And Absolutely. Yeah, like that you, that's definitely what you should do. Everybody should do that. I mean, unless you're going to starve to death if you lose that job. Everyone <laughs> should just make it very clear like you do not own me. It's true. I mean, the um the the sad part is too is that he kind of came in like a little late in my tenure being there. Um, but the initial crew that we had at the movie theater, like if you find a good crew of people to work with, like it doesn't feel like work. You're going in and it's like a club of cool people that you just love to hang out with. Yeah. And for a good portion of like a year, it was like that where everybody was just having a good time. Everybody was laughing. Um, we would have like, like, I don't know, like parties where we would like camp out. Like when the, when the movie theater would close down, we would, Mm -hmm. we would do like a camping thing where everybody would camp in the lobby with tents and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the projectionist would just throw on whatever movie we wanted. (laughs) I mean, it was a good time. Like, yeah. So anyways, video games. (laughs) That's cool, man. I always try to remind guests like, Hey, look, all right, we're, we're going to sell your game, but ultimately the show is not about Proteus, right? It's about you, right? It's about getting to know you. It's kind of the same thing I said before. Like, I, I think that if people have like a personal connection with the person crafting it, you know, we get we have these like big corporations that are just selling a brand to you. But like, if you can make a personal connection with your audience, people will follow you forever. Right? They're, they're remember like your story about yeah, this guy did all this stuff and he uh, got his first job this way, and it's such a passionate story, and that that's why I, I want to buy every game he makes just to support him, like th- that kind of shit. <laughs> But yeah, uh, let's talk about Proteus. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. Um, yeah, so yeah, we just came out into early access uh, on the ninth, uh, which was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Super excited about that. You know, just to finally take a breather, put it out there. You know, finally be able to get it into people's hands, not just a demo uh, that's just like one map or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really great. I know that ever since the the kickstarter you know over a year ago um people have just been like when 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 is it coming out you know and then you just you get that constantly up until the point where you put out some sort of demo honestly the way that it ended up going was we were always just getting pummeled by people like when's when's something coming out and we were um it was starting to get to me a little bit because i was like like, we are pretty open with development for our game. We post stuff on Twitter all the time, like work in progress stuff. Maybe not so much anymore because a lot of it looks final now, but, you know, we'll post, like, the work in progress gray box of, like, a gun, you know. Um, and we like to keep everybody in the know, like, this is what we're doing right now. And um, for those people that just never went over there from, like, the Steam forums or something, we were always getting so much... Uh, negative feedback about the game like when's it coming out like you guys are killing the game the game's dead and it's like no here check out check out our discord or check out you know twitter it's like we're we're constantly on there doing stuff you know and that for that period of time it was pretty rough and then we decided to put out 
I guess, the alpha demo, which for any of the Kickstarter backers, they basically got a miniature campaign map that I built that had like five maps in it. And it looks like the main campaign map is just smaller and has like just a limited uh, amount of things. But it was a lot for, for them to sort of dive into. And I guess it was about an hour's worth of content that people could play and, and start providing feedback. And that was super valuable. But it also started to like cool everybody down. Everybody was like, oh my gosh. Like, it's really like a lot of people. Yeah for, the, yeah, for the most part, people were excited they seemed to really like what we were doing um you know you had the core crowd that really wanted to give their best feedback and critical analysis on literally everything so that we were able to sort of pick the stuff that worked and like what we thought wasn't clicking with people and kind of roll that forward and i think it was uh it's probably like one of the best things just to have that like private demo that we could give to our backers who were dedicated and wanted to see us succeed, right? That that felt really great just to get that feedback. And it also allowed me to um, do a bunch of like private mapping sessions where I would grab like a random alpha tester and send them like, we have these thing called P-Links in our game where you can just upload something to the workshop and then send somebody a little code and then they can download the map for like quickly and play yeah. test it. So I would just get somebody from the Discord and send them like an unreleased level and be like, hey, you want to get jump on a call and I can watch you play test my map for a little bit and, you know, get some feedback. So I was sending people like levels left and right and getting testing done. And it was so valuable uh, just to have that process. Right. And um, just to see everybody's reactions to all the different levels and um, and the, the content was was just fantastic it also helped us like refine the guns even more um the difficulty settings used to be like in the alpha like a few months ago uh used to be more heavily towards spongy enemies Mm -hmm. um but we got a lot of real like negative feedback on that um and we readjusted it to what it's currently at right now um there's still definitely some things that we want to work on from now until 1.0 but a lot of that stuff just gets really hammered when you when you have like a uh the alpha demo and then we did the open beta shortly after which was really fantastic because that just kind of opened us up to public scrutiny at that point and that was like all right cool like let's open the floodgates and see what people have to say and um luckily at that point or by the time we did the alpha we also had some of our major um i would say talking points that people would like kind of gravitate towards we had them all kind of figured out so like one of them was um the gun audio so from the earliest trailer that we ever put out like two years ago in november of like 2018 or i think it was nine maybe it was 18 yeah people were mentioning the pixelation they were mentioning the hud they were mentioning you know all these things that they wanted options for and we were able to like slowly but surely add all the options and then also people were like heavily mentioning the weapon audio which was sort of like first pass just let's get it in make sure it functions Mm -hmm. that's sort of how our team works is that mike will do like a like a really amazing first pass on something and it gets to pretty much final like right away it works, it looks good, 
it like functions, we can start getting testing on it right away. And um, one of the downsides to that is like some of the audio will go in and it'll be temporary for a really long time. Um, but the good thing about that is you get to focus on what makes the weapon feel good versus getting this really sick audio cue and then you're not really thinking about is this gun good or not? It sounds good, but is it good? Um, so we have all these things that are kind of building up in the community feedback and luckily like sort of like towards before the alpha, we were able to contact um, one of our Kickstarter backers, uh, Marky Music, who's just really flipping good at what he does. And he he came in and uh, was kind enough to to redo all the gun audio in the game, and it just, in my opinion, sent it over like sent it over the edge. So having all of those things kind of like coalesce there at the last minute before the the beta went live just felt really good, and we were getting lots of great feedback from the community. And then yeah, we also held that mapping competition because we have the level editor in the game and that seemed to go really well and um we got some really sick entries from that too i don't know man it's just been a really wild ride there's so much going on all the time that it's really hard to kind of focus (laughs) i'm really glad that we were able to sit down today and just have like this conversation (laughs) dude it's like the holiday time it's perfect i got i've been balls to the wall like burning the candle at both ends with this charity event and just a whole bunch of other projects and obviously real life and yeah to just be able to just sit down and have a conversation for the first time and like this is the first podcast i've recorded in maybe a month something like that oh really yeah like i've i've been putting out a lot of content because usually i'll just you know knock them out and i'll do like three four and then you know all right i'm done for the month or or whatever but Mm mm-hmm Oh, such a relief, dude, just to be able to just sit down and <laughs> not. The do last anything. time we, we chatted, though, was uh, was Realms Deep. Yeah. I'm actually was... wearing my shirt right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the man, Realms Deep was so wild, too. How did that how did that feel for you? Like, I mean, the just the culmination of, of like all of that taking place for our like, I would say, like our genre. Right. Like it was so cool. Dude, when when Fred sent me that initial text message that said, like, hey, are you interested in doing this? I mean, I knew my life was about to change. Like, that <laughs> that was a moment. Because, I mean, you're making a game, right? Like, you've got content that people are, like, super interested and want to buy. Like, I just, I just make this weird podcast, right? It's just this <laughs> strange, super niche, genre-oriented <laughs> podcast. And... But, you know, you specialize in something, and when somebody needs you, you know, if they need exactly that kind of specialist, who are they going to call? I mean, not the Ghostbusters, it's me. <laughs> uh. I mean, from the looks of it, you had a lot of fun recording some videos. You went to the uh, Running With Scissors guys, you know, and um, recorded some funny videos there. I thought that stuff was cool. I mean, it it really does showcase... Like in my opinion, when we were, we were all in this like realms deep, Discord group, right? Mm-hmm. And it really started to feel like, in a weird way, I don't want to like put us in the same group, but like it felt like, oh my gosh, this is back when Raven and Id, you know, were making like 
we've got, you know, back in the day when like Heretic, Hexen, you know, and Doom and everything was being worked on. And you've got all these people coming together, working and collaborating. And we've got all these indies in the same group area that are all chatting about their games and everybody's super hyped about each other. We're all giving each other feedback and advice and stuff like that. And it just, it felt really good to be a part of that and to continue to be a part of that group. Like even now, um, you know, it just feels really cool. And I'm just really glad that we had the opportunity to do it. And I hope that, um, I hope that we're able to do it again next year. I really hope so. Cause I think, I think it's fun and I think it's a good, it's a good thing, you know, just for the soul, you know, <laughs> it felt, it felt really good to have that, uh, come together like that. Uh, it was exactly like when I go to QuakeCon or say, you walk into a room and you're like, these are my people, right? Everybody here has, you know, their own unique backgrounds and ideas and ways of doing things, but we all have essentially the same goal, which is to take this genre and really just pay homage to it and show it the, the light that it deserves to be shown in. It was awesome. Uh, one of the coolest things that happened since then was that I – I think Mike J was on Twitter and him and Sivy were having like a back and forth. And then Sivy mm-hmm. tags me and says, you should have finished the job. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> uh, all right. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. It's just, just something about it. I really hope that really hope that we can continue doing that because I think it just, it's fun to bring everybody together. It's starting to feel like, like one big family, you know? And I and I just like that. I just like it a lot. I think it's like uh, the whole time, every single day of, and I mean like every single day of like the month leading up to Realms Deep. Me and Jahar were in voice chat, going over things, getting shit ready, and we just kept telling each other like, you know, like, Realms Deep twenty twenty is gonna be dope, but Realms Deep twenty twenty one is gonna be <laughs> the that's gonna be a whole new fucking ball game. And it's weird because yeah. I think I think everybody felt like that too. We were all yeah. like, "Yeah, I mean, because the first one, you know, it was it was like everybody's running, you know, mm-hmm. running with scissors around and trying to, you know, get everything together." And I feel like now that we know like a basic framework for everything, it would definitely be something to put together another one right. uh, next year, even in more capacity. You know, I mean, we've, we've already built the network, right? Now we have contact with everybody, and people who were not involved last year will want to be involved this, you know, this coming year. And I think that's that's the most important thing. You know, now now that we've built that framework that we can continue to operate on, it'll be far easier. You know, we won't be reaching out to a million different people like, hey, trying to explain what it is and all that. So I'm stoked. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm definitely but, definitely excited about it. So let's get back into you and uh, your your video game development. So you, yes. you let's back it up a bit. Let's take the time machine and park it when you initially go to work at Gearbox. What was that experience like for you? Hmm, it's kind of weird. I mean, I was a different person back then. I was very timid. I. Mm-hmm was not sure of my own skill set. I think that's a lot of things. I think that's something that a lot of juniors struggle with where they're not really sure, you know, obviously there's a lack of experience there. Right. And I was going in and 
um, I was seeing all these people that I had met on the forums and everything like that, and and it was quite it was quite daunting. Like you go in there and you're and you're just like meeting all these people. Like uh, like at the time, you know, I like bumped into Randy, and it was like, oh, hey, there's Randy, you know, and um, I remember <laughs> I remember this one day I was sitting in. I was supposed to like learn their games first. I sat down and played um, all of the Brothers in Arms games, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, and I'm sitting there, and then all of a sudden I, I kind of like look around, like I was in the corner in the against the wall, and I like look around, and everybody in the room is uh, is standing up for some reason. And I'm like, wait, why is everybody watching me play test the game? And like one of the the CEOs of like Ubisoft was there visiting and they were all just watching me play the game. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, and I like stood up and I was like, oh, hi, um, am I missing something? And they were like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. You know, and they introduced him and it was like so random. And I'm just like, oh, like I was like, oh, my God, I'm like blowing the, the opportunity or something. You know, there's just. Mm-hmm. There's like all these like little things that like get in your mind, you know, when you're when you're like because I was I was like 19 when I was at Gearbox, so I was still pretty young and kind of naive to like workplace stuff, and um, I think just going to Gearbox really kind of kicked me in the pants, and just you know, as an intern there, it was a very interesting experience to be a part of that and just to see like borderlands being worked on before it looked like borderlands and like even colonial marines was being worked on which was crazy because like they were working on that when i when i like the guy who was like in charge of the project got hired the same day like he was sitting in the next chair to me and we were both going through orientation and i i had no idea what game they were working on but i was like oh cool this looks neat and uh that was like six years before they uh, put the game out, <laughs> or like, or like maybe more, because like I was at I was working on Bioshock Infinite when when that game came out, and that was like five or six years into my career, <laughs> so that was pretty nutty. No, I mean it was a it was very interesting, and you know as a as a youngin, I thought that was a a good experience to kind of go through the hard knock school of just like really talented people that expected a lot. Uh, and I think that was really great, and that kind of led to my my job at Raven Software. Um, same thing with uh, the same forum, Mapcore, mm-hmm. that um, I kind of grew up on. Everybody there, I would say, around 2005 was when I joined. Pretty much everybody on the forum that was a modder for like Half Life or Counter Strike at the time is now like a lead in the industry somewhere, <laughs> um, which is just really cool when you think about it um but it makes sense right like the the young modders coming out and you know growing up to be the next big things i guess so that's always fun but yeah so through mapcore i got another job opportunity at um at raven software and i remember my wife um who was my girlfriend at the time we were sitting there and we were like, where's Raven Software? <laughs> and we, you know, we did like a quick Google search and it was like, Wisconsin. It's like, what? Wisconsin? Isn't it just cold there all the time? <laughs> and um, because we're from Tennessee, we don't get to see snow maybe once a year. And yeah. it's like one inch and that's it. Dude, I'm from um, Mobile, Alabama. Like I never saw snow like until I moved away. 
Yeah. yeah. No, it's crazy, right? Um, just the, the weather opportunity and, uh, you know, how it changes. And I got my first taste of that. Like, the day that I went to Raven, we unpacked all my things and got settled into my apartment with no furniture. It was, like, the day that my parents, like, dropped me off and they were like, all right, we're going now. Bye. Uh, it snowed two feet and it was in February. It was like late February and it snowed two feet. And I was just like, Holy crap. (laughs) Like this is insane. I've never seen that much snow in my life to that point. So I was just like, this is cool, you know? And then slowly you, you learn to hate it, uh, to some degree, but the, uh, yeah, it was really, it was really crazy. Luckily my apartment had an indoor garage, so I never had to worry about like scraping snow off my car, which Mm -hmm. was like, the savior of all saviors. Um, but yeah, that was, that was like back in the day. Right. And getting to work at Raven was just a whole nother level. Like we were working on, they were working on a prototype IP called singularity at the time. And, uh, it was, I think it was third person when I started and it eventually changed to first person, but it was such a really cool project to see. And it was like, Oh, sci-fi with time elements and, and everything like that. I just remember being really excited about all these things. And that's where I got to meet um, a lot of my, like some of my favorite level designers ever in the, in the community, really. Like, I mean, a lot of them were from Quake, like Shrimp Scampi met him, Socks met him, uh, Simon. And uh, no, there was just so many, so many cool people that worked there and had such a high degree of respect for level design. It really put things into like a different perspective for me when I started working at Raven, just the, the overall history and the people who still worked there that had that history, you know, um, still baked into their DNA. It was such an interesting thing to, to see, like just somebody with so much knowledge, talk about level design and what it meant, you know, to, to guide the player or, you know, to light a scene. And that stuff really stuck with me for a really long time. Some of the best, uh, like I would call it, I want to say like close to like, so <laughs> I'm kind of skipping here, but the idea of my career, the way that I've looked at it, right. was my internship was sort of like my junior, junior school years. And then, I look at Raven as my high school years, which were like really fun. And that's where I met Mike on Singularity mm-hmm. all the way back then. Cause Mike was also from the Half-Life community. I'll get to that in a second, I guess. Um, so I look at Raven as like my high school years. And then I look at Bioshock Infinite and Irrational Games as like my college years where like the professor literally shows up, throws something on the wall, says, this is your lesson. And then you have to, like accomplish it to like the highest degree (laughs) like um just like those things you know and then just graduating from that was just such a it was so cool um and i guess that's like the best way to frame those those different studios like raven was such a great place for like it was like a family friendly environment everybody got along um the teams were really great like everybody was just like really good friends like we were all in it together to make the studio succeed and it just it really did feel like that like on a daily basis um but yeah i, I don't know i yeah. think uh yeah go ahead i was just going to say like my 
my next question was going to be like, what did you learn from all of that? And what did it, how did it translate? How did the knowledge that you gained translate to your game now? But you're pretty much answering it already. So I just cut myself off. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like there's, there's so many interesting things because we had such a variety of talent and games that we were working on at Raven. Um, like the Wolverine game that was like God of War. I worked on that for like a good year and that was that was some really interesting times. I mean just everybody there was was so talented and um the the interesting thing too is that when we um when we eventually changed over to being a Call of Duty studio, that was like the first thing that I wanted to do was work on zombies. So that's like basically what I ended up doing. And we had this like cool little core team of misfits who wanted to like build zombie stuff. And that was where I started learning other things about like the game's design. And um, I mean, it was just really interesting to go from making mostly single player content that was made to be played a certain way to co-op content, which, you know, could be played in a variety of ways. I really enjoyed that change and just going through that process was probably what ended up helping me get the job at Irrational. Um, And Irrational taught me so many other things. I I would say, though, that, like, the studio that I probably learned the most from, and this might sound weird, was, like, the last studio I worked at, um, which was uh, Overkill or Starbreeze in Sweden. I I probably learned the most from them because um, they really didn't have any, like... They had producers, but they didn't really have producers at the same time. You had to be your own producer. You had to essentially be like, I feel like everybody there had to be a senior to some degree. They had to be able to create their own tasks, execute them in a timely manner. And with such a small team of like 30 at the time when when I joined, it was like, you got to hit the ground running. You got to know when to ask questions. You need to know when to like get things done. So it really like sharpened that knife of being your own producer and kind of getting getting that into your head of like, you know, the payday team would release a new update every like month or two. So you had to be on that cycle. You had to be able to focus on what was the important thing about the task that you were doing, what's the priority here, and how you were going to execute that in a timely manner. And those 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 types of skills that just get beat into you over like just a slog of just constantly having like okay we're done that thing what's the next thing you have a month to make a level you know <laughs> so like you would you would just change focus and um and it was a really interesting experience and i would say that that's probably one of my fondest like even though it was like one of the most difficult it was probably like one of the things that I, I I would say that I took away from the most, which was just being able to be your own producer um, without needing anybody else and being able to like kind of chase down the things that you needed, right? So being able to take a level from start to finish and get the artists on board, like request things like animations, going to talk to the right people. Um, it really did just feel, it felt really good and it made me realize that I never really wanted to go back to a much larger studio where you only did like the block out or some block out scripting. You wanted to be a part of the whole and 
running around and getting things done felt really good. And it's one of the reasons why going indie and doing Proteus made the most sense to me versus jumping back into the AAA industry um, because I wanted to retain that self-worth that like I'm going to be able to make something from start to finish that's my own. I'm going to be able to art it. I'm going to be able to do the combat, um, the audio design, whatever. Like To me, that's like the pinnacle. You know, you want to you want to get back to that point where you're enjoying the games that you're making from the day to day. And I think Starbreeze, um, like I think I think that studio for that for that exact gift, like just that that hard knock school of of um, of mentality, really is something that I th- I don't think I could have gotten at like another studio at the time. Um, so I think like in terms of like what I've been able to uh, learn or glean from all of my different studios, I would say Starbreeze for sure was like way up there. You're and doing, I think I think a lot of people will think that's a strange thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing exactly the right thing, man. Like you paid your dues, you got your education, and you you made money while you were getting your education, which is the best way to do it. And now you're going to strike out on your own and be an entrepreneur. Like, of course, that's exactly the right thing. And so you have the skill set, you have the the ability to lead a team, you have the ability to be an effective follower, and you have the ability to make everything that you need to make to produce a game for the most part, right? And of course, why would you why would you not want to work for yourself? I can't even think of a reason not to other than just dealing with, you know, the business aspects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like I suppose that's like a a different side of of something that would be I think over time, right? You just need to be in that position long enough to understand how that stuff works before you're like comfortable with it. Um, I know that a lot of indies have that have a problem with that where they get sucked into that side of things more yeah. and then they get they end up not having time to just make stuff. Stephen um, Kick, his wife uh, is the CFO of Night Dive. Like that's mm-hmm. yes, family team. There you go. <laughs> just hey, babe, I, I need to work on this game. Can you please just handle the books and that's a <laughs> shoot. I wish that was the case. Actually, that's an interesting point to bring up, too, is that I think a lot of people that are in AAA that want to go indie but are afraid to do it for various reasons, right? Like money purposes or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't have any kids except for my dog. I, I, I count her as a as a small child. She's a husky, so she's very... Oh, yeah. That's a child. She could be very tantrum-driven. <laughs> um, but the... Uh, I mean, I, I count my blessings. Like, we live in a a pretty cheap area. Like, we moved back home. Um, was like one of the things about being indie was that you didn't have to necessarily be in the same city as everybody else, right? Yeah. And I think back in 2018, when I was deciding to leave uh, Starbreeze for the, you know, finally I was like, all right, I'm done. Like that was fun, but it's time to move on. Um. And then I reached out to Mike. Like, of course I would reach out to Mike. And I was like, hey, Mike, what are you doing? He's like, I've got this prototype. What do you want to do? And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to join you. Let's let's make this happen. Basically how Proteus went. I know that's like a really short story, but <laughs> but, like, but that's literally how it went. <laughs> back then, you know, when we moved back to the States from Sweden, it was about just, yeah, let's, let's like, instead of picking a, a city or something to, to move to, let's go back home to where we grew up and kind of 
you know, relax and be around people that we enjoy being around. And I think that's one of the, the good things about being indie is that you can do that. And I think a lot of AAA devs, though, that especially ones that have kids don't necessarily have the option to do that because they have to be near the studio, yeah, you know, to go into work um, up until recently, which is like <laughs> kind of changed the industry in a very interesting way. I'll kind of get into that in a second. But the um, when when we came back, um, you know, up until that point, I was kind of like in Sweden, at least I was the only person making money because my wife's job uh she does x-ray stuff um she uh not like an x-men capacity <laughs> but like in a medical capacity yeah. uh she um uh she couldn't get a job in sweden because of like you know different laws and whatnot certifications and such yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so when we moved back um that was like one of those things it's like okay cool how about we switch places and you make the money and I just sit in my room and scratch my bum and make maps, you know, and we make something happen. And she's just like, sure. Okay. Like she has total faith in the process. And, um, and I, I think that's, that's something that if you, if you have somebody that's like that in your corner, right? Like Steven does, if you have somebody like that in your corner, that's like, you know, backing you, um, it really helps like a lot. Like we wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing right now if it wasn't for my wife. And um, I think Mike is in a very similar situation, right? Like his wife works and he takes care of the kid and, um, and works from home. And I think that's, I think we're both basically in very similar situations. So for the last like two years of working on Proteus, I haven't made any money, <laughs> which is, uh, which is like really weird. Uh, to go from like making a bunch of money to like making absolutely nothing for like two and a half years, um, but yeah. So I think a lot of a lot of devs don't have that sort of like cushion, and they don't have the ability to to go wherever they want. But now post COVID, which is really interesting because the games industry is now realizing that oh we don't have to actually have a building yeah. like like this big ass building that's taking up so much cost, you know, you could do everything remote. And for the most part, like a bunch of the larger studios like respawn, for example, they've just haven't been back in the studio in forever. And, um, and it's kind of interesting because somebody in my position now where I like live in Tennessee, where there's literally no industry, <laughs> like absolutely no games industry here. Um, I imagine that's the same for you. Um, well, there, we do we do have running with scissors, but right. No, I, uh, I guess yeah. it was Alabama you mentioned, yeah, I'm or from no, Alabama, you originally. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was referring to. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like there's there's a certain amount of that where you have to like leave the state, you know. But now, you know, if if you wanted to, you know, you could probably get like a triple A job and stay. You know, I could stay in Tennessee, <laughs> which would be really crazy. Um, probably get like a few AAA jobs. I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> the, the difference, I guess, is that like the bigger studios were much slower to adapt because they didn't already do it. And in some cases, they really can't. But the beautiful thing about this is you were talking about, you know, working remotely and you can hire someone from anywhere. I mean, they don't even have to be in America. Right? Yeah. Uh, so someone that you was extremely talented that you 
probably would want to hire, but you couldn't because they were not going to be in your physical vicinity. That just fixes that problem right away. It opens up the scope of Absolutely. talent. And something you said earlier was like a, about, you know, you got into the industry because of, you know, you were just a mapper modder and a lot of people have that same story. But you've created within Proteus, right, like the ability to customize and create your own levels and everything right there in the game. So when you're in a position where you're like, hey, we should get a new map or something like that, you have everyone's resume right there in front of you attached <laughs> to the game all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've definitely thought that. that. That thought has <laughs> crossed my mind where it's like, like if I ever wanted, you know, I think, I think Josh and I... Uh, dragonfly we we have things pretty much on lock um but if you know if we ever wanted to expand like i think so the thing that's interesting about our game and just the ability to have a workshop right where people can upload content or like make a level straight from the main menu make a level and then click publish and it goes to the workshop and other people can play it Mm -hmm. it's instantaneous um and if we um and it's a, a it's also like a um, a solo workshop. So um, what that means is it's not tied to Steam or it's not tied to GOG. It's not tied to uh, these different other workshops, um, which allows it to be used across all of them. So in the future, if we do, you know, if not if, but when we do like some sort of console release, perhaps mm-hmm. the workshop can be accessed from those consoles uh so you can make a level and then upload it and maybe potentially go to your nintendo switch and download the map play it with your friends on you know uh co-op or multiplayer you know when we do full release so i'm i'm really excited about that i'm trying not to talk too much about it um and i'm trying to be very careful about what i say (laughs) 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 uh but (laughs) <laughs> well, the, the yeah, good news think... is that if if you do say anything, <laughs> a I'll up edit it out and it'll be fine. But B is like, who's going to hold you accountable <laughs> other than yourself? So you're not in any <laughs> danger. Publisher might. Uh, oh, yeah. The uh, <laughs> so one of the one of the cool things about just having a level editor for me at least is sort of giving back to the same roots, right? Yeah. Going back to those roots where I got my start because I made Counter-Strike maps and Half-Life maps, right? So what what a better way than to like help support mappers and give them a new avenue to show off their skills. And I think what's really important about that is like generally speaking a lot of a lot of games that have editors is usually just like a multiplayer game of some sort. Um, and I think it's important that like they have the ability to come in with like the single player style thing, but we're also going to do the multiplayer and, and stuff like that as well. Um, but being able to just set up and then showcase your skills of gameplay with like good combat setups, good layouts, good geo, um, that kind of thing is, is really important. And, um, I think for a lot of mappers who are coming in, can learn a lot from this process. I mean, our lighting as well is really awesome. And I love being able to just do things live and see the results immediately and not have to compile for like 20 hours uh, to see what my room looks like. 
Um, my my ability to use lighting as a tool for level design has just gone through the roof, like 150%. Um, I use lighting for everything now. And it's just so much fun. And I to me, it's just about giving back to that world of modders and mappers that I and Mike also grew up in. Like, we both got our start doing mods. Um, he was on some Half-Life mod called Nuclear Dawn um, back in the day before it got, like, really popular. And um, and I remember just, like, meeting him and being like, oh, my God, you worked on that mod, right? Like, that's how, like, that's how we got our, like, that's how we met was just me going, like, oh, shit, you worked on that? Like, sick. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and just having that, like, that, like, respect of, like, oh, fuck, like, that's such a cool, like, mod. <laughs> um but yeah, it's 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 just so much fun. I I honestly, um, for me personally, I want to do everything I can to keep promoting those level designers and those content creators going forward. Like my goal is just to keep making the workshop stronger and stronger and stronger, so that we can help those people not only like keep advancing their skills um, through the community. But to also have like, you know, the next portfolio piece or something like that. I know that sounds really cheesy, um, but I don't know. I'm just I'm just a huge fan of that stuff, and I really want to give back where we can. And the the more we can, the better, in my opinion. And it makes perfect sense. It really, it's going to ensure your, and uh, it's going to ensure that in the future you have everything that you need. I know I said the wrong word. It's going to usher. There we go. Usher. <laughs> in the future, you will have you will have people who are pleased uh, for having done this. Like it's it's going to give them something to take away and show off, and then they're going to forever appreciate that about you. And if they're going to do business in the future, they're going to speak highly of you, and they're going to want right to work for you or whatever. It, it's a beautiful thing. You should you know, absolutely. It's, it's, uh... <laughs> It's kind of interesting because, like, I don't, I don't necessarily think about that side of things. I just think about, like, getting people, like, helping people get better skills and, like, better understanding of, you know, what we currently assume design for level design is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, like that changes all the time. But um, make sure that we instill the next generation of level designers with the knowledge you know of sort of the like these types of layouts this sort of like old school but like kind of mixed with like a modern sensibility and not just making giant sandbox maps only for like br modes in the future <laughs> I think there's like a there's like a version of that right where it's like shoot level designers need to really like they should come from a place of like unreal tournament and like doom and quake and um they should have these like core aspects of level design that they need to grow up with this shit they need to live it and breathe it in my opinion right and i think that's something that like back when i was at on working on payday Mm -hmm. and mike was like this is what i've got I was like, oh my gosh, I want to dive into that so hard. Like, that's something that, that like, I personally felt like I was missing in my career. Just the ability to sit down and make a, a classic style map 
and and just really dig into the nuts and bolts of what makes a map work and what like makes the combat feel good and um you know your different combat setups and things like that and just trying to get that kind of locked down and i was so excited just to have the opportunity i absolutely i know it's gonna sound cheesy but i fucking love waking up every day and working on proteus like that's like i i couldn't imagine doing anything else right now yeah um and that's like two and a half years like into the project like right you'd think that i'd be hella tired by now but no i'm like fucking i'm ready to go i'm super like this is this is the most fun i've had and it's it's something that I want to make sure that other level designers get a chance to jump in. I think it's good to want to aspire to like some of the AAA, like, I don't know, for example, like Nathan Drake, you know, the Drake's fortune series, the way that they do their narrative setups or combat and how they pace their games. That's always really good to like dissect that stuff. But a lot of that also has backgrounds deep rooted in doom and quake still like unreal like all of those things have um roots that you need to sort of grab onto and learn to like understand like what makes a good level in my opinion no those are the that's the training ground you have to definitely start with the fundamentals and what are the fundamentals other than the original games that you know every other game has kind of taken influence from since then yeah, for sure. But, I mean, isn't it, yeah. Isn't it insane how, like, you know, we were saying earlier that I'm looking at this from a business standpoint of, like, you do all these things and this ensures that in the future you have a good reputation, that you've uh, you've set people up for success and everything. And in your mind, it's just altruism. And not that you mean to be altruistic, but because you just naturally have that altruistic kind of point of view of like, I'm just doing this because I think it's the right thing to do. Isn't it crazy how regardless, it still has the good benefits on the other end. And when you do things that are selfless, you know, you're, you're doing, you're putting in extra work to help other people out, but that is going to benefit you greatly. And it just makes sense. It's like karma in the universe. Hmm. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hopefully, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I feel like the, if I, in 10 years, was sitting down and playing somebody's game, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, this is a great game, and they reached out to me to be like, thanks for all the help, and I'd be like, whoa, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 sure, maybe that's the goal, right? Is that, I mean, I, I had that happen once to me, just like once randomly, where I was, uh, I was working at a studio um, temporarily in uh, in San Francisco, and um, some random intern came up to me and was like, "Yeah, man, I, I went to your talk, and um, it really like drove me to want to be in games and, and blah yeah. blah." And I was like, "I was like, oh my gosh, what?" And then they just walked away really quick, and like I never got to talk to them. Um, but like, but I was like, "Whoa, that was random." <laughs> like, okay, cool, sure, like. Like, that's cool. I like that. Um, and I, it, it's something that, I mean, it's fun. And I think it's, it's a neat side effect, but really you just, yeah, the overall, the overall sentiment is to, I've, I've always felt this is just help share knowledge where it can be and hope that everybody kind of grows together from it. Like even back in the day, 
on Mapcore and even a forum called like Interlopers, yeah. um, where the Half-Life community was just trying to get off its feet. Um, I found somebody's tutorial, like video tutorial uh, series on how to make a model and compile it for Source, which is just like climbing Mount Everest. Honestly, it really is. Um, it's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard of. And just compiling a model. And it took me about a week to figure out um, on my own, like just by trying to learn this guy's video, which he had all these weird methods that you eventually really didn't need. But once I figured it out, I distilled it into like a more cohesive thought and just tried to get as many people on board as possible. Like you need to learn how to make models for your games. (laughs) And this is like, you know, right out of a, uh, the movie theater, I was like, oh man, I need to learn 3D's Max or something and learn a 3D package and start making models because that's going to be where, like, you know, you need to go. And um, and just getting that knowledge out there of, like, how to make a bench model. That's what I did. I made a bench tutorial. It was like, here's how you make a simple bench and this is how you UV map it and this is how you make a texture and this is how you put it in game. And I tried to put those things out as quick as possible so that people could learn from it. And I remember um, while I was in Sweden, um, one of these one of these mappers, I don't want to name names, but like one of the mappers that I, a uh, few of the mappers that I really look up to at the moment, like I, I look up to them and I'm like, wow, I really love this, like these guys and their work. Um, and one day we were just drinking beers and they, they just mentioned to me that, like, you know, I got into games and your tutorials helped me get to where I'm at. And I was just like, what? Like, shut mm-hmm. up. Like, like you're stupid. Like don't say stuff like that. We're drinking. Like <laughs> you know? it was like I was like don't 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 make mushy comments. Like like no. Let's just keep drinking and like sure that stuff goes out there. It's there, but I don't want to hear. <laughs> I don't want to hear how much you enjoyed that shit. <laughs> like no, it's good. We're all we're all better because like you know somebody made some kind of like distillation of their thoughts on on a subject right and you learn from it and i think that's that to me is just the driving force is just everybody coming together getting better together and that's really all that matters to me um yeah wow that was like a long a long <laughs> ramble <laughs> that's, that's part of it dude. it's that's what you're it's easier for me i don't even have to ask you questions um, <laughs> i'm trying to break that record man that's what i'm trying to like you know like did we go over 30 minutes for a ramble yet? I feel like... Oh, hell no. No, no, no. Okay, no. okay, no, okay, okay, okay. I'm watching Shit. the timer. I, I'll get you. I need to, I need to try harder. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh... I mean, we're, we've been on for an hour now. So, like, just over an hour. And there's no way you've had a 30-minute ramble in that time period. You but I'll let you know. You know we, we can always try again later. Come back and do it. <laughs> Part two, like maybe maybe around like one point release or something like that. Oh yeah, for sure. But hey, so tell me, um, tell me a little bit about you guys are doing this. Um, is it the Pigeon Classic? Is that what yep. this is? The Pigeon Classic. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, it'll be over uh, <laughs> by the time this airs, but I'll go ahead and pitch it for next year. Uh, so every year, the Keep, uh, just out of tradition we do a charity event. So this is the third annual one. The first one that we did was uh, State of Quake. It was already, you know, they were doing a lot of tournaments for Quake champions. And we 
had a member of our community who was in the the California wildfires that were so bad. Uh, they're always bad every year, but like it was particularly bad about three years ago. Yeah, and, and I mean he was literally like volunteering with the fire department and all kind of stuff and just telling us every day you know how like i don't even have time to game dude i'm just dealing with all of this crazy stuff my friend's house burned down and so we just like hey man we have this infrastructure here people who are already like i I can't get up and go to california and help you but what can we do and Mm -hmm. we ended up just doing a a small like king of the hill style tournament and raising uh, i think it was just a few hundred dollars we just gave it all to the california wildlife or wildfire uh, charity, whatever it was, relief fund, I think, and then we named it Pigeon after a friend of ours who was named Pigeon, and it's just going to stay that way forever. It's totally off brand. Nice. But, uh, <laughs> I like it. You just, I, I don't know. And then yeah, so then we kept, we just kept going. Like we should make this an annual thing, and we've done that one. We did a second one. We had another community member who was uh, suffering from leukemia, and he was in mm-hmm. Egypt. And I asked, like, can we raise money to, like, help your family uh, pay, pay the bills or anything like that? And he's just like, no, I, I would prefer you give it to the organization that is paying my bills. So we gave it to the Egyptian Cure Fund. Mm. And then uh, when COVID kicked off, I, was, I have a lot of friends who are nurses or – everybody knows a nurse. If you don't know a nurse, you're not living life correctly. Sure. And yeah, Absolutely. One of our buddies, Flambeau's uh, wife, Janine, she was in the, the COVID ward in uh, the Netherlands. When it's, it's still pretty fucking bad, to be honest with you. But, you know, mm-hmm. working seven days a week, no day, it, just killing it, taking care of people. And I, I reached out to her and I was like, hey, you know, who, what, is there any organization that you would recommend that would that actually does give back because I I don't want to give to a charity that's you know a fucking corporate uh, right scheme or whatever absolutely like, like who who have you noticed that actually does help you guys out in Florence Nightingale right. Foundation so they've all been like one day tournaments before but this this year due to a, well I think last year's was like a three day long event but I was going to do another three day long event but then we were we were working with those Zen Sports to do a lot of these tournaments because they're like a gambling service uh, sports betting app and they have like the infrastructure to put uh, tournaments on and everything and i was like well let's work with them and we ended up doing it for a month long because we could not possibly put it all together in one weekend so it's been great we were over i don't know what it will be when this is over but we're we've we've raised over two thousand dollars at this point Uh, so small potatoes that's awesome oh it's amazing yeah Honestly, it's love to sick. join in next year. Oh yeah, I, I, I keep coming up with new ideas. Like, how can we leverage you know this hobby of gaming and <clears throat> turn it into something that gives back? And uh, you know, it's always we just did a tournament the first time because that's all we knew how to do. But I'm thinking like, we could have you know uh, mapping with General VV or some you know some anything like <laughs> uh, hashtag blush. Uh. Okay. I mean, but especially by that point, man, like you, you're already a name that people recognize, but anything like that, it, it doesn't matter. Like there's a million ways that I can figure out how to turn what would otherwise just be mundane, uh, you know, stuff that people were going to watch anyway. And just like, hey, you know, consider donating this month to the charity and do good while we're just, you know, otherwise kick, shooting the shit, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, sure. Absolutely. No, it sounds like a an awesome cause. Honestly, um, it's good to hear like the backstory there too. Honestly, um, no, it's 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 a good cause. Um, and yeah, and I hope hope that those uh, honestly those fires have been going pretty crazy over the last few years. Um, yeah. People need to stop like exploding pumpkins to show <laughs> what birth their you know their what gender their their kid is. <laughs> my my uh my sister uh did one of those gender reveal parties like last year but they just had like a little party popper that they popped and then that was it and even that was like catastrophic to the environment because because all the confetti went everywhere it was like all right i guess we got to go clean all this up now great (laughs) with the uh the Pigeon Classic this year, we've been, you know, because it's for the Florence Nightingale Foundation, and they, you know, they support nurses and midwives, like because that's what Florence Nightingale was. And mm-hmm. we've been saying that we're we're raising money to buy all the midwives' new uh, leather gloves for catching the babies, and that's been awesome. We had this guy, uh, Red Eyes Green Dragon. He made the, the most amazing promo video I swear ever made, and he literally like there's a, a shot in it where it's what's a midwife, and it's just like him. Like, Try it, like with a catcher's glove on, <laughs> and this baby just shoots past. It. I'll send it to you later. Okay, it's... that sounds awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Uh, yeah, because like for somebody like me who didn't know, um, now you know, and it's like, oh, um, that's never gonna escape my my memory. <laughs> mm. I well, love it. Enough about me. Let's talk about you. <laughs> we should probably wrap it up here pretty soon, but. I yeah, I think so. Mention a few more things. First of all, sure. We're already talking about just being good people and karma and everything. You have done business with three of the most genuinely wonderful people I know on planet Earth. Like you have Andrew Holschel, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, I mean, actually, four. Like everybody on your fucking team is just like the sweetest, coolest people. Marky, and then I was going to mention specifically Jimmy and Josh are like. The yeah. nicest human beings. I I can't even imagine. I'm sure you've probably seen it because you guys are working together, but I can't even imagine Josh being angry. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I did want to mention this, like, back when we were talking about working remote, right? Because, because we're able to do that as a team, like Mike and I, we're able to grab these people from like all around the world that we would never have had the opportunity to work yeah. with before. Um, to me, that's just been amazing. And like just going down the line, it's sort of like a true story where like, you know, when a new retro shooter indie, like promotes themselves on Twitter, Andrew just kind of like pops up in their DMS like, Hey bro. like that basically happened to us and um i was initially like pegging one of my one of my friends from uh simon vickland from the payday series uh to do the the uh album but he got caught up doing gtfo and um and then andrew kind of showed up out of nowhere and it was like i was like wait a minute like holy crap like this guy's like shit is sick <laughs> uh and he was like hey um do you guys need a composer and it was like yeah man like come come hang out and andrew honestly so professional he fit in 
with like Mike and I's like AAA style of of development basically right away. We're like we're we're pretty we're pretty isolated. Like when Mike works, he'll do a thing, and I'll do a thing, and we'll talk about like the things that we need, and we just give each other like the things that we need. It's like Mike's like, hey, I think the layouts need this much more space in between for the auto map or something. I'm like, okay, cool, I'll do that from now on. Blah blah blah. Like we just work very quick, very. Um, sort of like isolated. Um, yeah, like and, professionals. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then, uh, and then Andrew comes in, and Andrew work can work like the exact same way. It's like Andrew comes in. Hey, okay, so what do you guys think? And it's like, okay, well, this is the style that we're looking for. You know, this is the way that the music system works. It needs this, these many tracks, these types of transitions, whatever. And he'll go off and just make some cool shit and come back to us and be like, what do you guys think of this track? Like, he'll usually make the ambient track first mm-hmm. or, like, the action one track, which we have three tracks, like, ambient, action one, which is, like, light combat, and then action two, which is, like, heavy combat. And he'll he'll start to figure out a track based on the ambient track. Like, he'll start figuring out some, some feelings and, and, and try and, like, build off of that. And he'll always come back with this like really sick ambient track that we can give feedback on, and then he'll just go off on his own, finish something, and then basically come back with like like a good chunk of stuff done. And it just like the way that he was able to work with us was just so fantastic, and just it, it fit right in, and was such a good um, choice. And not only that, but then like later on, right, he ended up doing the DLC for for doom which was even more helpful you know um yeah. just in terms of like oh shit like i don't know it's side note but it's really funny when i'm watching streams like i was watching one of these like like a big streamer the other day um and then while they were playing they were like man this music slaps it's almost better than the doom dlc <laughs> and mm-hmm. i was like i was like if only they knew <laughs> if only they knew that the guy who made the doom dlc also made this you know that's it's just so funny yeah um to have that you know and same thing um, i was talking about earlier man like andrew has specialized in in something that is just you know you do what you you do music for boomer shooters like that's how do you explain (laughs) that to somebody but if you're looking for someone to do that if you're like you specifically need someone to do the soundtrack for a boomer shooter it is very obvious where to go like yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, I think he's he's built up sort of like a really awesome legacy, um, in my opinion. I know he wouldn't say it, but like I think I think Andrew's legacy is really obvious at this point. Um, he made think, this podcast, like, yeah, he, it's, it's, him being a guest really early on solidified my faith in this project. Like, I knew, I know for a fact, several other you know name guests, like people are like, yeah, this is someone that people know specifically agreed to it because they looked through my catalog and it's like, okay, who the fuck is that? I don't know. And then they saw Andrew's name and they're like, yeah, I'll do that. If Andrew did it, I'll do it. Like, <laughs> uh. no, I think it's, I think it's awesome. Like the amount of things that he's done for the community and just, I think just, I would, I don't think he'll ever say it, but putting the games on the map with quality OSTs is something that our genre desperately needed. Mm-hmm. I don't know about desperately, but like it definitely 
was like something that pushed us over the edge even more. And in my opinion, it was that's like a part of the legacy is that, you know, he helped bring back this revival in a lot of ways and putting it on the map. And um, like, we'll always be thankful for, for his help on the project. And we're hoping that, you know, he comes back for another set. You know, we're excited about uh, all the opportunities going forward. And um, yeah, it's just, it's been great, you know, with him. And then obviously like moving down the line, um, you know, grabbing Josh, like I had been a fan of Josh's work. Um, just when I started doing my deep dive into the community, I was uh, I was looking at Josh's stuff and I was watching all these mappers on Twitch just like make stuff. Oh, and man. I really liked his uh, I really liked his style. So I was I was watching Josh for like a good few months, just kind of lurking, really. And um, do those 24 hour mapping jams those guys pull off like him and Matt Tropiano and Jimmy and all them like. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, but yeah. like this was during the period where he was working on Everternity, mm-hmm. uh, and I was just getting to watch him build that. And I was just like, wow, this guy is crazy. Look at all these maps that he's building, and he really knows his stuff. And it just, um, I just figured, you know, hey, do you want to? Like, I reached out to him and asked him if he wanted to play the game first. Yeah. I was like, hey, do you want to try it out and just like see what you think? And um, I don't know if the level editor was in there at the time. Um, but yeah, he, he, he had a go and, and he was like, yo, like, let me make maps. (laughs) Like immediately he was like, like, but let me, let me make some stuff. Like, let's, let's do this. And I was like, uh, yeah, okay, sure. Let's, let's fucking do it. Like, I like your stuff and I enjoy watching you, uh, work. So I thought that was, uh, I thought it was a good fit and him coming on board. Um, I think he came on board like about a month after Everternity finished yeah, and it was, he started. Yeah, I, I, was, I had him on the show like right during that time frame, like right after he started working with you guys, and that that story gotcha. checks out. Yeah, mm. yeah. He, I wanted um, him on for Eternity. I was like, I'm gonna fucking interview this guy, and I didn't even realize <laughs> that he was working on Proteus. Like, it hadn't been announced or whatever. It, it's still it's still pretty cool to see how many people recognize him from that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's always like fun to see that. And, like, when people join in and they're like, wow, like, some of these levels are really great. They remind me of Eternity. You know, it's like, oh, cool. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> like, of course they do. Um, you know, and the – so just getting him on board was really cool. And, you know, he started working on it and getting used to, like, a more 3D editor and, and like, what that translates to. And um, it took us a little bit of time, but we finally got into this groove where things were working really well and – um, just, you know, having him on board has been great. And then side effect of that too, is that, um, like I was kind of eyeing Jimmy for a while as well. Um, one. not in a, not in a creepy way, but like, yeah, <laughs> but like look, in a look at that gorgeous hair on that man's head. Like, <laughs> how could you not be in love with him? Yeah. <laughs> the, um, for a long time. Cause when I did my deep dive, a part of it was looking at the adventures of square and just being like, wow, this is fucking dope. I need to follow this person. Like this, this person gets it. They're, yeah. uh, they're awesome. And just, I started following like his team members and stuff and just trying to like get glimpses of like, you know, their level design and, and everything like that. And, um, then I, then I learned that Jimmy did MIDI MIDI music as well. And it was just like, Oh my God, like I need to figure out some way to reach out and just get this person, yeah. you know, um, he didn't just like do, do a little music. bit. 
He's is that midi guy. He is that guy. Like that's <laughs> like what what Andrew does. You know, that's Jimmy for the midi world. Like his his stuff is so great. Um, so when then I think that feeling in my in the back of my head of like, oh yeah, you need to like reach out to Jimmy at some mm-hmm. point. Um, got magnified even more once once I learned that he he got like some of his tracks for sigil i was like oh my god like we just that's it i need to pull the trigger and like get like reach out make sure this gets done because i know that at that point i then discovered that jimmy and josh were like really good buddies and i was like josh you gotta you gotta give us like an intro like help me out here you know i need to i need to talk to jimmy i need to get the man on the phone (laughs) jimmy and jimmy's like hella awesome and you know we we basically just was like hey um, we want to get like 10 MIDI tracks from you that are in this style so that they work with the game. And, uh, what do you think? And he was like, sure, here's my price. And I was like, yep, that sounds fantastic. Let's get it done. <laughs> um, like, you know, all day, every day, like worth it, you know? Um, it's always good to support somebody that you admire as well. Um, so like just Jimmy's work in general, like I really thought it would be cool. Like maybe like one day to, to um, maybe like squeak a map out of him too. <laughs> be like, Hey, Hey Jimmy, uh, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I think, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And, um, we're, we're looking to get Jimmy's tracks in sometime soon. I don't want to spoil any, anything. So I'll keep that under wraps, but yeah, Jimmy and Josh, what a frippin' like duo, man. And the fact that they live together now, um, like in the same frat house, basically, uh, is is really cool because uh, like if I can't reach Josh, I'll I'll ping Jimmy like, hey, can you slap Josh? <laughs> and like, and then Josh will just pop online, which <laughs> is it's just really funny. Right. Um, yeah, that yeah, it's it's such a great team. Like that is just the most epic group of guys that you have working on this project, dude. And that's yeah. honestly like when I see a new game, right regardless of how flashy the trailer or what it looks like or the description or any of that bullshit, when I see the people that I know that are super awesome are working on it, that's, that's what makes me say, this is going to be worth investing my time in. Like Proteus just immediately looked like the, the coolest fucking project ever. And it, it, it truly is now that I've played it pretty thoroughly. Like I, I mean, we've talked about this before we don't have to, we're not going to dive into it, but I was very disappointed, you know, by, eternal in many ways and <laughs> you guys made the game that i always wanted to play and for that i have to say thank you like it, it just... uh, hashtag blush <laughs> <laughs> let's uh i appreciate it i mean there's just real quick like i i also agree like you know when you like those teammates get me excited to work on a project like I like to surround myself with people that keep me excited, wanting to work on something. Some people that I can learn from, things like that. Um, and we just have been to, to just land some of the most amazing people. Um, real quick shout-outs to Queen Jazz as well, mm-hmm. um, who is an amazing programmer and has helped like take our level editor to like literally the next level. <laughs> um, and then obviously Hitsusan. Uh, from the Warframe community came in and really helped make some sick characters for us. Um, as well as Mike Garn, who's just stick at making weapons that did like the arc rail 
for example. And there's a there's quite a few others that that helped out, but like, I mean, it's just been such a like a really awesome community that we've kind of surrounded ourselves with, and uh, it's it's been a real joy to to get in there and and just be a part of it. And I think being indie has been such a wild ride, and I'm looking forward to you know working on 1.0 release at some point, you know, and getting that out there and. And really seeing, you know, what the what the game's made of, you know. Yeah, I uh, I would encourage folks to look forward to that wishlist it, and whenever you see a release date for it, then go ahead and get ready for General VV and Motherload in the Keep Podcast Number Two Electric Boogaloo because you <laughs> definitely have to do that. Awesome man, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any any last minute uh, thoughts or plugs that you wanted to get out, or just send me some shit in the episode to put in the episode notes? Would be fine either way. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, if you're still listening, um, <laughs> and you're a level designer, uh, the uh, we've got like the Map Core um, community. We're doing a contest with Proteus right now for level design. Uh, the prize pool is first place gets fifteen hundred dollars, uh, second place five hundred. And also like a year's worth of humble choice, um, which is great. It's a good, it's a good value. Um, so if you're if you're into mapping and you think you got the the right chops, I would love to to see you uh, on our Discord making some making some cool stuff. So look look out for that. But yeah, that about does it for me. I'm spent, man. That was fun. Yeah. Thanks for letting me ramble for like a full hour. Thank you to Jason for being on the podcast. It was truly an incredible experience to just really get to sit down and pick his brain for a little while. I'm sure we'll have him on again, like no problem. Thank you to Fred Shriver of 3D Realms for giving me the opportunity to be a part of Realms Deep this past year and to make all these amazing connections, including with the people from Proteus. That was such an honor. Thank you to everybody at In The Keep for keeping this boat afloat. I could not do it without each and every one of you. And I also couldn't do it without our supporters. So Paul, Moose, Dots, Zach, Alexander, Brad, Red Eyes, Green Dragon, Anthony, Robert, Jack, Brandy, Fred, (laughs) Lord Revan. You are all so deeply appreciated. This boat stays on the water specifically because of you guys. I am just humbled and honored each and every day to know that the work that we do here at In The Keep is valuable enough for you guys to give your hard-earned dollars through Patreon. And also to the people who have donated in every other way, you go to inthekeep.com and go to our support tab and find other ways to do it. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but the other ways to do it is to go to our uh, affiliate links. They're also on the website, and we have quite a, a few of them for you guys to check out. You can go through our Amazon link. It ain't no big deal. All you got to do is click on that link, save it to your favorites tab, and every time you're going to buy some shit through Amazon, which I know you already are, you sons of bitches, instead of giving all of your money to Jeff Bezos, some of it could go towards the drowned god Katala and supporting what we do here in the keep, and that is greatly appreciated if you do so. You can also, if you're thinking about, you know, maybe doing your own podcast, which I encourage you to do, it's a very rewarding experience. 
but for distributing your podcast, you know, if you want it to be on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, all that stuff, Buzzsprout is the way to go. Reasonable prices, really, really cool business, great customer service. I love everything they do to make it so easy. I am a tech idiot, and I'm able to produce this podcast each and every week because of Buzzsprout. Also, if you are uh, not the kind of person who's going to go out right now in this crazy environment that we live in and hit up the grocery store to buy all your shit, you can just make it an easy, simple experience. Go to Instacart, get your groceries delivered in as little as an hour straight to your front door. You can click on our link, save that thing, and if you sign up, it will also greatly help and please the drowned god so consider doing so you can also hit up our merch tab it will take you to numerous different things we've got shirts masks cups stickers whatever the hell you want we even got a multiplayer doom federation logo t-shirt up there all through redbubble so you know you can trust them if you already use redbubble you know you know their customer service you know who they are and Grab yourself some merch. All of the proceeds come right back to supporting the cause of In the Keep the Drown God. I can't stress enough how much we just deeply appreciate this community. It is December. It is the holidays. It is the Catholidays. It is the time to give. The time to give back. I want to go ahead and encourage you guys now to go ahead and jump over to twitch and follow a guy called bridge burner if you're not already a huge fan of him which i am i'm in his stream like almost every night just hanging out shooting the shit he is one of the most gifted and prolific mappers in all of doom history and this new year's he is going to be putting on a 24-hour stream of incredible variety i'm definitely going to be a part of it i hope that you guys are a part of it too so consider checking that out. Also, as always, check out the U.S. Quake and Doom community. Also, check out the United States Quake World community. Incredible stuff going on over there. If you're a Quake World fan, I'm super serious with Messiah and all those guys. Definitely make sure that you are following along with the Zedaemon community. If you love multiplayer Doom, I'm telling you straight up, there is no better place than Thursday night survival in the Zedaemon server. You will absolutely have fun and find new friends there. Uh, go check out the Multiplayer Doom Federation. My buddy Human Bones has been absolutely killing it with that team over there, putting on incredible competitive events in the world of Doom 2. You can't go wrong. Any of these places. Rocket Jump Zone, if you love Arena FPS. And don't forget, every single Friday night, every single Friday night, rain, sleet, or snow, in the keep, putting on Fort Friday, Jumpin' War Fork. It's free on Steam. It's the best damn arena shooter ever made. It is so beautiful, so fast, so wonderfully moddable, so wonderfully just wonderful i don't know another way to put it check out war fork and be there on fork fridays and also fork uh or sorry war fork wednesdays with bj tenjin on twitch just get those pickup games learn how to play something that's a little more difficult than the typical bullshit triple a online shooter i would also encourage you to head over again to mp.com hit that podcast tab and if you like this show Make sure you subscribe and make sure you leave a nice review on whatever you're listening to. 
and definitely check out the back catalog. This is uh, not the only episode for you. This is your first one, I promise. We've had incredible guests. We've had uh, Scarecrow from Graven. We've had Fatality, one of the greatest Quake Free players of all time. We've had Tim Willits, Chuck Jones, American Iggy, Scumhead, Dave Oshery, and David Szymanski from New Blood, Fred Schreiber from 3D Realms. We've had Ted Hitchkey from Dread X Collection. We've had so many amazing guests. Uh, Jimmy, that I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and Dragonfly have both been on the show before. Stephen Kick from Night Dive. We've had Hakita from Ultra Kill. Eredorth from Faith. We've had Bruno Baudouin from Nightmare Reaper. Machiavelli from Quake 2, one of the greatest players of all time again. Just go through that catalog. You won't regret it. But hey, if you've made it all the way to this point, thank you very much for listening to me ramble. We love you. I love you. The Drowned God Cathala loves you. Hang in there. I know times are tough. It's the holidays. Do not let anything get you down. Don't spend any of this time that you don't have to alone unless you're just absolutely the alone kind of person. But I refuse to believe that you don't want some kind of human connection, even if it's just on Discord or something. Join in with the community. Be part of something. But until next time, stay in the keep.